<laughs> what do I like opera? <laughs> I feel like just the way you phrased that maybe cut this out of the podcast, but was like, why do you like to sing from like from from the royal singer of dying? Because <laughs> it's so much fun to sing. My good people. My name is Aurora. My pronouns are she, her. My name is Kelly, and my pronouns are also she, her. <laughs> um, so today, Kelly and I are going to do a special opera-themed Tortal Recall episode. And you might ask, an opera-themed episode on a Tortal-themed podcast? Why? Well, that's a good question. And we're going to get into that bit by bit, first by talking about our backgrounds and what's really influenced us and... Um, why we enjoy the kind of media and art that we enjoy, and then we'll go into the connections between opera, which is what we're talking about today, and Tortal Recall, which is what we talk about most of the time with you all. So I think we're going to start by talking about a little bit of background on our interests and kind of how our life shapes how we read Alana, and then draw opera into that. That sounds good. I mean, of course, the real reason that we're talking about opera on a turtle theme podcast is because we want to. But um. I mean, I think the idea is that we do Tortal Recall because there are a lot of bits in the Tortal universe that were formative and there are things that we really loved growing up and that we love to re-examine. And I think that's the same with opera, at least for the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we get to bring them together, and it does give us a nice platform to share some good, fun opera things. Oh, yay! With everybody. With the internet. <laughs> okay, um, Aurora, why don't you introduce yourself first a little more? Okay, so growing up as a kid, and I guess still now, there were a few things that I really, really enjoyed, and those were A of all books, and B of all music. And so the books part is a lot of what you've heard about You've heard us talk about Alana and like that part of like our literary pasts. But as a young child, I like really enjoyed like sci-fi fantasy and especially books with strong female characters that could be like good role models and self-inserts. But then the other half of that was in addition to reading books as a kid, I was in like a lot of choirs. I studied voice a little bit in high school and then in college that was also a lot of what I did. And so those are two of the things that shape kind of the media I consume and impart the things that I do with my life and the perspectives I have. Your turn, Kelly. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm Kelly again. Growing up, I liked several things. Um, a of all animals, B of all books, C of all music. <laughs> <laughs> and in college, I studied mostly biology and animals and then also music again and something that Aurora and I went to the same college and something we did together was sing a lot of opera and go watch a lot of opera so we're very big opera co-enthusiasts and right now I'm doing ecology as my job and applying for PhD programs which is partially why I have not been on any of the podcasts so far. <laughs> I guess my sort of perspective on the Alana books is the same Similar to Aurora, I love fiction, and I love books with strong female protagonists, and I also love books with animals in them, yeah. which is why I'm super duper excited about the next installment of our podcast. Oh, yeah, no. Um, the Dane books are going to be amazing. I'm so pumped. Yeah, so super big animal conservation enthusiast, 
excited to see how that plays out when I read the Dane books for the first time critically in my entire life, as opposed to the other 20 times when I've read them non-critically and just been like, animals, animals, animals. <laughs> um, yeah. Very good. So, so that's me. And one thing that we wanted to sort of start uh, this podcast with was talking about why we liked opera, because I think we can both recognize that although opera is something we really enjoy, it definitely has a facet to it that is like really problematic where it's a medium that is enjoyed by a lot of really privileged people. The major repertoire that's played now is by white European men who are from several hundred years ago. Um, So I guess what we want to talk about is are the things we like about opera and sort of like the good things that we see in it really briefly. So Aurora, why don't you go first? Oh, that's an excellent summary. So there's of course the musical element that we're drawn to, but also I enjoy the way that if you look at a lot of old operas, while there are some, like, think magic flute, that have some exceedingly problematic elements, like real gross sexism, you also have some really interesting instances in, like, if you look at, like, Marriage of Figaro, for example, you see interesting ways in which um, gender presentation and, like, gender roles, etc. play themselves played themselves out um, in ways that perhaps were less expected at the time when these operas were written. And you do get to see, you know, a lot of strong characters, you get all of the strong emotion that you would expect in opera. It's never quite as surface level as it initially comes off as. And there are so many good operas that have interesting female characters or characters canonically played by women who are known for being strong, clever, and like all around kind of kick each in their own way. So, Kelly, why do you like opera? Yeah, why well, I, I like opera for a lot of similar reasons to you. I, I love the music. Um, and honestly, I really got introduced to opera when I was, I really liked singing when I was younger um, and really loved musical theater, but don't really have a good voice for singing musical theater, which was sort of crushing in high school and middle school. And then in like late high school, one of my voice teachers was like, oh, you should sing opera instead. So I kind of threw myself into that as like a way to heal from not being able to be a musical <laughs> theater superstar. Um, but I grew to really like the music and really kind of adore the ridiculousness of opera plots because opera plots are like the most overblown soap operas you could possibly imagine. Like, oh my god, I've been spited by my lover, now I'm gonna like throw myself off a cliff and curse him for eternity and all his descendants, which can be like kind of annoying in a lot of ways, but it's also amazing if you just go along for the ride and appreciate how ridiculous it is. Mm. And also, I agree with you that while a lot of operas have like really problematic themes, at the same time, they were sort of the popular media of their day. So there's a lot of stuff that was really like revolutionary for the time period too. Like you said, some women being like more in control of opera plots than you would imagine and being sort of like tricky and like manipulating other people in like a way where it's like, wow, this woman's really the one who's in charge. Or even also in The Marriage of Figaro, like there was a huge like sort of upheaval of like traditional class behaviors. And that was revolutionary for its time as well. So I think you can appreciate things like that. And then also they're really fun to watch so true. Um, and laugh at and also have some really beautiful music. So now I guess we want to transition away from opera fangirling, which we can do for hours, um, towards towards talking about how we're going to relate opera to Alana. So Aurora, take it away. Yeah, the big question is, how are we going to take opera, which seems like a very, very different genre from these Alana books we've been talking about, and connect it to opera? Well, today, we're going to be talking specifically about um, 
pants rolls, or uh, also known as trouser rolls, in opera. And so, just a very, very brief summary for those of you who aren't familiar with them, but trouser rolls are rolls that are canonically um, played by women, usually mezzo-sopranos, sopranos, contra-altos, in which um, they play men. But why pants rolls, you ask? Um, it ties into Alana in that it gives us, we can compare the different ways that gender, the portrayal of gender and the performance of gender are seen across different mediums. Well, also Aurora and I are like kind of both personally obsessed with pants rolls because our voice types both like enable us to sing them and they're super duper fun. Like pants roll characters are usually like the best, like most awesome character to play at an opera. No, it's so. so true. You get swords and awesome vocal lines. Like who doesn't want a sword? Yeah, and, like, you get to be, like, super charming and everybody loves you. Anyway, um, okay, so the history of pants rolls. So the history of pants rolls is actually really interesting because approaching opera, even though I said it was sort of, like, the popular medium of its time and therefore sort of revolutionary, I feel like thinking back on, like, the time period that a lot of early operas are written, I wouldn't have expected there to be, like, gender bending on the stage because the world was more conservative. So the way that came about is actually pretty interesting in the late Renaissance, there was this preference for high-voiced heroes um, in opera. So the uh, audience sort of expected both male and female singers who were like in leading roles who were playing like gods and kings or whatever to have high voices because high voices were like closer to the divine. So these roles were usually played by castrati, which were castrated in men. Um, so they had these really high soprano voices. Um, it's sort of like a unique sound too, because they also had like the physical build of men, so they had a lot, of, a lot of power behind this interesting soprano voice. However, sort of at the beginning of the 1800s, that practice um, fell out of fashion for a variety of reasons. But people still sort of had like the oral preference for high-voiced male heroes. So, opera composers kind of continued to write their male heroes having like really high-voiced soprano, mezzo-soprano, which is the like voice type that's slightly lower than soprano roles um and instead of men women started filling these roles so these were kind of some of the first generation of pants roles and they're really cool because it's like they're like traditional male heroes knights and like princes and stuff but they're just sung by female singers and sort of in the middle of the 1800s slash at the beginning there was a shift away from this as in like larger society, gender roles became a little bit more defined in Europe. And also, as an opera, there started to be sort of a shift towards a listener preference for um, tenors playing the heroic male roles. So then sort of like these female singers were sort of booted aside, tenors took the male roles, and there started to be sort of a new type of pants role, which was female singers playing young boys, with sort of like the idea that like young boys aren't like developed men, so who better to play them than women? And, you know, women's voices are soprano like a young boy's might be. So then there was this huge, like, influx of women playing mostly, like, page boy trouser roles. Um, the most famous of which is Carabino um, in La Note City Figaro, who is a literal page boy. And I think we're going to definitely relate this to Alana a bit as well, because she is a literal page boy. Oh. Um, and one sort of interesting footnote, so that's like the majority of pants rolls. An interesting footnote is sort of by the end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, as like society's view of sexuality evolved more, um, so did it in evolve in opera and there started to be more major roles for pants roll singing women again. So like they sort of started becoming 
main characters again. Um, and actually, like, we're able to perform, like, way more interesting, like, bits of sexuality on stage. Like, there were, like, female pants roll characters who literally were supposed to be having, like, sex on stage with other female singers, which is really interesting. Um, but anyway, I'm going to cut off the history of pants rolls there, but <laughs> it's super cool. You can definitely read more about it if you're interested. Is that, like, Rose and Cavalier was considered pretty risque? As... Yeah, it's literally the beginning of Rose and Cavalier because the overture is, like, supposed to be them having sex. Essentially, yeah, no. I mean, apparently they had to change the staging staging for certain audiences. Like, I think classically Strauss wanted them to start the staging with, like, you know, a bed being kind of at the center of the stage with the marshalin, who's mm-hmm. this uh, countess, um, and Octavian, uh, a younger man there. But in staging it, the time when it was released, which was like the early 1900s, they had to replace it with a couch. Apparently a bed was just too much for those audiences to handle. But now in modern stagings, they put it back where it belongs. On the bed. Yes. Okay. Opera is so fun. (laughs) Um, I guess, so I'm going to let Aurora um, talk a little bit more about how we want to talk about sort of relating these pants roles where women are performing another gender on stage um, to Alana. And her being a woman performing a man, performing a page boy. Take it away, Aurora. Hey, all right. So now we have, we've discussed two mediums. So we have a musical one in opera and a written one we like, we have in books. And in both of these, we see multiple levels of, you know, gender representation, interpretation, and construction. Um, And when we look in particular at, you know, Alana and that series, and pants rolls, we can really examine how this practice of portraying a performance of gender in media uh, can be seen across these different mediums, which is cool. Also, I think it's hilarious, as Kelly pointed out, that our kind of most classic um, pants roll, which is essentially Carabino, this page boy, is kind of like Alana, a page boy our most direct connection. But at the same time, I think it's interesting to explore, you know, the different ways you can look at how gender is portrayed in these and then look at it at kind of different scales. So what scales can you look at this at? You might ask. Uh, (laughs) Well, of course, you can start at one level. You do have your author. And in the case of opera, you have your librettist and your composer who write characters. Um, and they're writing them to be kind of read a certain way, and all of this is, you know, of course, within their personal context, the time they're inhabiting that social context. And then you can layer on this in opera, you have um, additional factors that go into how uh, gender is portrayed. You have decisions made kind of uh, contemporaneously by the director, the actors, the singers, and that shapes this. And then, last of all, and I think most importantly, you have the people who are watching these productions and consuming this media and how they filter it through their own experiences and that particular um, time period and then what they get out of this. So if we bring it back to Alana, I think, and the operas in which we have pants roles, the most obvious connection between the two of these is in both of these cases, we have people who are, you know, very overtly, very overtly performing gender in the sense that in these operas, you have female singers who are expected to, 
you know, go on stage and perform how they think a male character would act. Um, and that's, you know, of course, filtered through how they believe this would be. And at the same time, in Alana, well, I guess in Alana you have how Alana thinks a page should act in her world. And you also have how Tomorrow Pierce thinks that Alana thinks that, yeah, haha, death of the author. Um, <laughs> and so in a sense, these are uh, very similar because they do show how people are acting uh, or performing how they think gender should be embodied in a particular moment. But what I really love about these, and especially about pants rolls, is that no matter what our composer's intentions, or in the case of Alana, our author's intentions, we as the audience really get to interpret these roles through our own eyes and experience and that's why things like pants roles were so revolutionary and why they did so many things in terms of gender in the history of opera well i can jump in for a second and add something like to what you said in the middle there which is you said like part of a woman playing a pants role is her performing sort of what she thinks a male gender should be and i want to say like that goes like extraordinarily literally like when I've been coached by people on like how to perform pants rolls they've literally told me make the lines of your body sharper because men have like sharper lines when they move than women and stand like with your feet pointed diagonally outward and things like that so like there's a lot there's like a whole lot of performance practice that goes into like performing gender um which I think is super interesting. Totally. For the briefest times I did a, a little bit of carabino and I was told to you know act like you're taking up more space, which is really interesting if you think of, of taking up space as something that is gendered, which, you know, it shouldn't be, but, you know, in, in today's world. So that's an interesting part of it as well. I think it's also interesting how it would be no fun if we didn't discuss this, but I think especially in opera, we kind of see composers, or I guess librettists, really um, playing with this in that you have pants rolls. So, women playing men who, at some point in the opera, dress up as a woman. Mm -hmm. And so, I think, in this sense, they're kind of pointing at how what they're doing is really a construct and a performance, which is cool and interesting. So you see this in um, Marriage of Figaro, Caravino dresses up as a maid. Yeah, yeah, he's like hiding, he's like, he's a little page boy, and he's like trying to flirt with, um one of the maids in the palace who is actually the main character, one of the main characters, Susanna. Um, but then, like, somebody's coming into her room and she's like, oh, this, like, young man can't be discovered here. So they uh, dress him up as a maid so it looks like he's just another maid. Mm -hmm. And then we see something similar in um, Rose and Cavalier where Octavian oh, yes. is, I believe, in the Marshallin's chambers but doesn't want to be discovered, so... And her husband's coming back, yeah. so they, they dress him up also as a maid. <laughs> So it's kind of a classic opera trope, but I think it shows how perhaps conscious composers were of the construction of gender in their productions, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite thing about pants rolls, the thing that I'm really super 100% obsessed with, um, I think can also be related to Alana, which is sort of like the story of... A female opera character is the story of like a dying tragic <laughs> heroine like at the end of like 
La Boheme, like, she gets consumption and she dies. And at the end of La Traviata, she gets consumption and she dies. At the end of Madame Butterfly, she kills herself and she dies. At the end of Tosca, she, like, jumps off a parapet and she dies. Like, they all die. I mean, not everybody, but in, like, dramatic operas, like, the female character does inevitably die. And, like, despite what we said earlier about women in opera a lot of times having a lot of agency and sort of being, like, the sort of, like, manipulator behind the plot and being, like, usually the protagonist and the, like, sympathetic character... There are a lot of things that they just aren't able to do. They don't perform what someone looking at an opera might think of as like traditional male heroic actions. And that is why I think pants roles are so interesting because it gives the woman performing them this opportunity to be a traditional male hero. Like in the earlier pants roles where they're actually playing like knights and kings and princes, they're literally a traditional male hero. Like they get to do everything. Like they get to go questing. They get to like save their love, which is another woman. Like, they get to be male heroes in a space where women, both in opera portraying women and probably in, like, the public sphere, didn't get to perform those sorts of heroic masculine actions. And I think that's sort of, like, how Alana... That's exactly how Alana's, like, using performing another gender. It's to sort of break out of, like, the traditional female sphere and perform these sorts of actions that are usually, like, prescribed for another gender and to give herself more power and sort of, like, borrow that traditionally masculine power. Yeah, totally. And I think these in Alana, in the context of Alana, and even in like the greater world of opera and Western European tradition, it kind of shows slowly an expansion of how women get to do more stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is good and exciting. I had a question for you, Kelly, actually, about something I ran into on the internet last night when I was just doing some Googling. Um, Okay. But have you ever heard of the term mezzosexual? No, I love it! Oh my god, it's amazing! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Yeah, so... Ah, I'm dying! It's been so good. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's... You've killed me! Yeah, That's so, so great. I just wanted to put that out there because I think a lot of uh, the discussions in the world at large now talking about kind of pants roles and gender and sexuality and opera, uh, you know, they're beginning to explore these issues a little more deeply. And so they've been proposing, this was an example of one of the terms that they applied to pants roles. And it, I don't know, A, I loved it. And B, it it seemed very (laughs) appropriate for this discussion. So I think they talked about it in the context of um, mezzos in a sense of being, you know, mezzo means like between... (laughs) And for context, mezzo-sopranos are usually the voice type that sing pants. Yeah, <laughs> so it fits very nicely in that. Um, and so it's like, it, sh- it really uh, pinpoints kind of this in-betweenness of the idea of a pants role. In that it's a woman playing a male, sometimes playing a woman, and just kind of highlights the in-betweenness of like the gender and the sexuality portrayed within this sphere, which I thought was cool. Also just a great little term. And I think... The cool thing about pants roles is that they are very much, their interpretation is something that's so flexible. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. So in the sense that as the performance of these operas move through time, kind of the different interpretations that audiences, you know, had and were allowed were then thus like doubly shaped by changes in social contexts, which is cool. So like you're perhaps allowed to interpret, not allowed, people interpret things however they want to, which is what we love about it. 
but there's more of a framework for them to interpret. Exactly. So, you know, these, these roles can take on a new context now that um, they are in our modern society, which is cool and neat. Yeah. And what's absolutely, like, awesome and, like, crazy to think about is, like, even in, like, the early 1800s, you were seeing, like, these women on stage portraying, like, people who are madly in love with other women, which, like, way cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and pansexual characters are, like, also often really popular characters with audiences, so... Because they're great. Because they're great, and, like, also, I- I've heard it argued, too, they sort of, like, because they, like, inhabit this gender-bending, rule-breaking space, they, like, kind of have a, like, weird sort of erotic, like, fascination thing going on, where like, people, like, see them breaking the rules of gender, and that makes them really interesting um, on stage for, like, audiences, which I'm not going to talk too much about because I don't i haven't studied like gender and sexuality theory so i feel like i can't do it justice but that's something really cool that people have talked about same yeah so there is if you are curious about exploring this further there is a ton of literature uh that one can look into yeah yeah well i think one of my favorite books was called n travesti which is e-n-t-r-a-v-e-s-t-i travesti is another word for like trouser rules um and it talked a lot about uh gender and sexuality and these roles um, anyway, so let's segue into each mentioning at least one favorite pants role and sort of how briefly that relates to Alana. Okay, Aurora, you go first. I'm so excited. Okay, so I was kind of torn because uh, there are a lot of pants roles that are really great. Um, but for the moment, I'm going to go with my fave pants role that kind of relates to Alana being uh, Octavian. Oh, sweet. I didn't think you were going to go there. Okay. From Rosa Cavalier. Well, I almost chose Sesto from Giulio Cesare because like... Oh! Love what so a still. bomb pants roll. Awesome. Like, you know, fabulous vocal music, has a sword, like, one of the most prominent oh. characters. Anyway, but Octavian. So Octavian is um, a character from Rosen Cavalier. It is kind of like a later parallel to Carabino-like characters. So Octavian is a young man, I think betrayed to be, like, in his late teens, probably, like, 17, 18. And he is in love and having an affair with this older woman, the Marshallin. And then he later falls in love with a younger woman and there's all this, you know, like heart-wrenching drama. But aside from that, this is one of those roles that really highlights how the pants role constructs and deconstructs portrayals of gender. I kind of like Carabino, except I think I prefer Octavian as a character. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Octavian is canonically played by a woman, um, but we see him for example, as we mentioned before, there is a scene in which he dresses up as a woman to avoid being discovered in the Marshallin's chambers. And there's like some table flipping there where like this, there's this terrible character, the Baron, who's like really nasty to women and who is um, being very gross to Octavian, who is then dressed as the maid. And it kind of gives Octavian, Octavian's like, unlike Carabina, who's just like girl crazy, Octavian comes at this with more of like, a caring, respectful place with regard to the way that he deals with women. Um, and he has some of the most beautiful duets in, like, the history of opera. I mean, there, there are a lot of good duets, but it has some nice ones. Kelly, what's your fave pants role? So I'm going to go really cliche here, and I'm going to say, because Octavian might be another favorite, but I want to talk about Carabino because I feel like we keep referencing him, and maybe people don't know what we're talking about, and also I literally love him. <laughs> so <laughs> Carabino is from 
Le Notte di Figaro, which is The Marriage of Figaro by Mozart, which is an opera with an incredibly convoluted plot, um, like many other operas. But in broad strokes, it takes place in a rich nobleman's house um, and sort of like delves into the lives of him and his wife and a lot of his servants and like people as like two of his servants are trying to get married and he's trying to not have them get married. Um, so Carabino in this context is the page boy and his main characteristic is that uh, he just hit puberty and he loves literally every woman ever. So um, Carabino spends most of the opera running after every woman in the house and being in love with them. Um, and he's great. He's so charming. He's so cute. I love Carabino. <laughs> he's the best. Um, and I guess he's sort of like the most well-known pants role because the opera itself is so well-known and also because he sort of plays a central and very charming role. Everybody loves Carabino. I promise if you watch, you will also love Carabino. He's so cute. <laughs> yeah, and I guess sort of relating that to Alana, like he's a page boy. He's a literal page boy and sort of like the reason why, maybe one of the reasons why that is like so successful as a pants role is like, it's like a young man being portrayed by like a young woman. So like in this interesting sort of like in between like male and female like gender space i don't know i think i didn't say that very well but it's all good i also totally forgot to tie mine to alana but page boys young men (laughs) yes so he's sort of like a man but yet not a man and he's also a page boy not that he really does anything page boy like he just runs after women (laughs) but i love carabino he's great (laughs) so i guess aurora unless you had any more thoughts that you wanted to think i think we wanted to wrap this up by recommending maybe an opera or two in case you guys got really excited about opera after us talking about them and uh wanted to check some out yeah sure uh so i of course have a hundred opera recommendations but for those of you who are beginners to opera and would like like a you know a kind of like the opera starter pack i would recommend and especially if you want to see you know a pants roll in real life I would recommend Marriage of Figaro, which we've discussed at length here, because it's really, oh, it's a, it has a great story. So it combines a lot of humor, it has the classic, like, love triangles, and I think also importantly, it's one of those stories where you have characters who are socially at a disadvantage, so namely the female characters and the servants, they really run the show in this, um, and the characters have depth, they're clever, and they win, so it's, it's great. If you want to watch an opera, that is one I would recommend. Kelly? Oh my gosh. Um, well, that was going to be one of my recommendations as well. But fortunately, I have another one. Um, the opera that I'm going to recommend also has a pants roll in it. And I might just be recommending it because I'm obsessed with it. But I am recommending Deep Flater Mouse. Yes! Which is actually an operetta. So that means that it has some dialogue. It isn't all sung. Um, but I love Deep Flater Mouse. It is so good. Um, it's hilarious. It's, it is also hilarious. It's by um, Johann Strauss and was a little bit later in the 1800s it was written. And it's sort of similar to Le Notte di Figaro, like features like characters at like different levels of like social strata and sort of like their interactions and lots of like love triangles and like intrigue. But it's centered around like a New Year's Eve ball. So it's very festive. There's a lot of beautiful waltzy music from Strauss, who is the writer of the Blue Danube, so probably heard the waltz. And it is fantastic, and it also features a pants roll. The um, prince who's throwing the New Year's Eve party 
is a pants for Prince Orlovsky, and he is a ridiculous boy <laughs> um, and really fun to watch. Um, and I would personally recommend the version with Kire Tekanawa um, so playing the the Countess. I think she's also the Countess. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is fantastic. Um, and you can find it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, watch it legally somewhere. But... So I, in fact, I have a list of recs because I couldn't really pick one and that, that was on there because, boy, is it great. So good. Yeah. Opera, opera is a lot of fun. We love opera. I guess one thing I would say is so, one thing that we noted at the beginning about opera um, that I think is worth mentioning again is really basically all of the opera and the operatic canon is written by dead European white men. Um, but there are a fair number of new operas being written slash ha- that have been written in more recent decades by women. Um, so if you're interested, you can also go check those out. Um, Cold Mountain, who was written by, uh, I can't remember, maybe Higdon, uh, Breaking the Waves, which I would say if you do want to go see it, it portrays um, both sexual and physical violence. So be warned, but also written by a woman and a couple others. Yeah, so there are some cool operas out there that are being written by women right now that you can go watch if you like modern opera. So we had a lot of fun talking with you guys about um, opera today, and we hope you enjoyed listening at least a little bit. Thanks for indulging us. Um, If you have any more questions about opera, Rora and I are always super duper happy to talk about it. Um, So just tweet at us, I guess. You can reach us on Twitter. Like You can either tweet my personal Twitter or you can tweet us at Tortal Recall. And you can email us at tortalrecall at gmail.com. We also have a website, tortalrecall.com. And I believe we have Tumblr, which is Tortal Recall. So if you want to get in touch with us, feel free to uh, get in touch with us any of those ways. And we would be happy to field any questions you have about opera or, um, you know, kind of continue this discussion as well. Because we love it. We love it. We love opera. Opera is awesome. Yeah. We love Alana. Mm-hmm. Alana is awesome. Uh, bye, Tortellini. <laughs> <laughs>